Happy birthday, Ben. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, I, I appreciate that. We're gonna. Uh, I'm gonna see you. I believe uh, Thursday. We're gonna get to hang out. Um, uh, Brandy, I see you. Thank you. Uh, I got the. Um, I, I got. I got your questions. Thank you for that, and thank you for the. Thank you for the. Uh, the sweet wishes, uh, Linda. How's it going? Thank you. Uh, okay. Super, <laughs> Katie. I'm, uh, Katie, I do not deserve that comment. I, I am, I am definitely not uh, the MVP. But that's super sweet. Uh, you to MVP. You to MVP. <laughs> uh, Doc, you ready to get going? Yeah, yeah. Um, we got some had great, a great day at work today. You know, met a lot of good new patients. Had a great day. I mean, saw a lot of patients, but many new patients that were very interesting to get to know and some fascinating stories out there with people you know it's actually interesting you said that because i i want to we got a question that came in uh that has to do with kind of starting off as a patient and uh and it kind of goes along with you know what you're going what you're seeing when you when you uh when a new patient comes in and the question is if i was to come into your office to have my gut health checked how do you start that process? Um, as you guys know, we, we, we often start with the gut um, and, you know, functional medicine, integrated medicine. Why don't you kind of walk us through, you know, what that process well, is like? I just make an appointment to come talk to us and we'll determine kind of maybe what's going on with your gut, what you're taking, what your history's like, um, what you eat, what your weight's doing, what kind of gut problems you have. So the first thing to do is come in and talk to mirror one of my colleagues and we'll try to determine what testing you may need. I mean, because you may not need food allergy testing. You may not need a GI map. You may need it. Um, so what medicines you've tried, what kind of workup you've had in the past, so we don't have to repeat anything. So first good steps is to come in and talk to us. Uh, if you have any, um, you know, information, recent testing that you've done, then, um, you may want to bring that in with you. Uh, so, so, so the question gets a, a little more specific, which I, and I think this is going to help a lot of people. Um, it, the question is, do you, in the same, this is the same kind of a follow up to the first is, do you run tests to see if uh, the guy has more or less certain bacteria that is causing the issues or you just try different things to see if it helps. And it kind of goes into, I have a cirrhotic arthritis and I've been told gut health has a lot to do with this disease. Yeah. I mean, um, so it just depends. I mean, you know, we, of course, if it's a complex case and you've tried a bunch of stuff already, we may want to get a GI map and look at your gut microbiome, food allergies, maybe. Um, so it just really depends. That's why you need to talk to us first. You know, um, sometimes it depends on whether or not you can afford a GI map. Um, I'm not sure how much they are, probably about 400 bucks. So yep. insurance doesn't cover them. So, you know, sometimes I look at cost of things and whether it's worth it to run it or not. Yeah. Uh, sometimes indeed it is. And sometimes we can try some things that uh, may work that may be relatively inexpensive for you. So, um, you know, both ways. So that's, we, we that's, try to do what's best for you. That's interesting. So, so kind of come in first, talk with you guys and then decide maybe yeah. on testing and what needs to be done. Right. Right. Uh you know, I, I think that's a that's a, a good way of thinking there. Um, okay, let's go to uh, this is a uh, I couldn't fit everything into to one screen here, so I'm gonna have to do a couple um, additions. 
what lab test is best to do for a person who has had the COVID vaccine series and a booster to see if they have had COVID infection and the antibodies only associated with the natural infection, not the vaccine antibodies? And then it goes on to, um, I guess that's the, that, that is the question. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Nobody really knows the answer to that. Um, the vaccine doesn't seem to produce as robust an antibody response on our lab uh, as um, having COVID. And it seems like the, the more serious case of COVID you had, the more antibodies you're going to um, produce. Um, you know, and again, they're B cell antibodies. They are not the T cell antibodies. There's only one place I know you can get that, and that's at LabCorp, which is a huge lab company. We we use Quest Labs, but we can order a LabCorp for you if you want to get a, a um, T immune test, which is more of a T cell, um, probably a longer lasting type of immunity um, for COVID. So. I mean, you know, you may have some uh, antibodies produced by the vaccine. You may have some from doing COVID. But, you know, if, if I get an antibody test, there's no way I can tell you whether that's coming from COVID or the vaccine. If it's, you know, if it's uh, been a while since you took the vaccine, it's probably not going to show at all. And it may show um, if you've had COVID, even if you didn't know it, it's, you're going to get probably a higher level of of a uh, uh, response on our blood test. And again, a lot of that's unknown. Mm -hmm. um, but, and, and a lot of people, of course, have had both. Um, you know, I hope you can go to look at my State of the Union address regarding COVID that I published today. Um, it's a short synopsis of what I think has gone on in the last two years. And, you know, some of the mistakes that have been made and the fallacies and all but um, it's just interesting that you can i mean almost, i can tell you this almost everybody i know has had covid yeah i can name very few people that actually haven't had covid vaccinated unvaccinated boosted un i don't care i can tell you i can hardly tell you anybody I, there's a few they probably already had it they just didn't know it but um most people have had COVID. Bottom line, most people have already had it, maybe twice. Um, so um, it's still good to check antibodies in a way, just for your own benefit. Although I'll tell you, they're they're not a, a sure thing that you're not going to get COVID again. Um, one of one of the, our employees um, had a pretty bad case of COVID over a year ago, bad case, and um, recovered fine and. Um, then was double vaccinated, boosted and, and all. And as little as three weeks ago, their antibodies, which I checked on her blood, were greater than 2,500. It's as high as you get. And uh, a week after I got that blood test, she got COVID, assuming the Omicron. But, you know, it didn't protect her at all from getting this new, new mutation of COVID. So... Um, and it was milder, certainly. Now, I've talked to a few people where it was a little bit worse, hmm. um, but they seem to be not losing taste or smell as bad. And it doesn't seem to involve their lungs as badly. It can. But, um, you know, it's just, it can certainly cause some pretty serious illnesses and hospitalizations, et cetera. So um, there's a lot of unknowns about this that 
that are yet to be sorted out. Um, um, Misty here so, has a, fo a follow-up question just regarding that. Is there, is there a window of time between having COVID and possibly contracting yeah. it again? Um, is there um, you know, a certain time period where it couldn't happen? <laughs> that time period's getting shorter, I'll tell you that much, because yeah. um, I know with this new variant that's highly contagious, um, that I've seen people get it a couple months after they had uh, what presumably was a Delta. Um, so again, once you have one illness, it kind of lowers your immunity to other things. It may heighten your immunity to, to COVID, but lower your immunity to other things like the common cold um, or strep throat or influenza. You know, I've had a couple that had both influenza and COVID yep. um, at the same time. So, um, and this is kind of the peak, you know, it's the time of the year, it's the middle of winter and the flu season's around. And uh, of course, COVID's rampaging throughout, especially in, around here in, in Tennessee. So, um, but it gives, gives us hope that there's light at the end of the tunnel that, because almost everybody's had it. I'm hoping that it helps us develop this herd immunity that the vaccines have not provided. Um, so that's the hope. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of unknowns. I wish I could answer it, but I take a pretty deep dive into it. I read constantly about it and, um, you know, there's different opinions on it. And, uh, all I know is from trying to digest what all I read and seeing it firsthand in the office and, uh, talking to other, um, doctors who are treating COVID both in outpatient and, uh, inpatient, like ER docs, ICU docs, and, and nurses, and so forth. So, um, hope that answers that. There's no good answer. It's, it's a good question. Um, let, this is going to be kind of similar here. From, from what I understand by the test descriptions, to truly see if you have had natural immunity, one would need the SARS COVID 2 antibodies, nucleocapsid, and not the SARS COVID, COVID 2 antibody IG spike, and then it goes to semi. Uh, quantitative. I, I might have completely jumbled um, some of those words. And the question is, is that correct since the end protein comes only from natural immunity? If so, why are the, why are the most places testing the IgG spike in vaccinated and boosted people? Um, yeah, supposedly, you know, the vaccine, you know, uh, it covers you against that spike part of the protein uh, that virus and if you get the real COVID it it, it um, gives you an immunity to the whole uh, the whole virus the, all the proteins of the virus that's why that most people believe now even the CDC that uh, having the natural immunity um, you know is better than having the vaccinated immunity but um, a lot of it just depends on what test i mean these are the tests that are kind of commonly available that uh are cheap and insurance pays for i'm sure you could take a lot deeper dive like the t immune test at, um, that you can get through LabCorp. uh you know but it's just it's just hard to justify um you know going to the depths of doing that and that you probably couldn't get it anyway but i assume that a lot more is going to be known soon about this, you know, whether it's the end protein or the spike or, or what, but 
Um, and again, a lot of it's academic anyway, you know, um, and maybe hindsight's going to be 2020 on this thing. Maybe we can go figure some more things out on how to prevent this thing in the future, but, um, and maybe they'll develop a better vaccine, uh, that works better, that also causes less side effects. But, um, you know, I mean, you, you, you probably need to talk to a pathologist that does laboratory uh, testing. Um, and I know a few that we may be able to get involved in, in that and give a little discourse on it. Uh, It'd be interesting just to, just to, to know. And uh, this is actually, it's a, again, one of the, uh, about the protein and the antibodies. Uh, I had the SARS-CoV-2 AB total spike drawn in your office, uh, February 3rd of 22. I had two vaccines early 2021 and booster in mid October uh, 2021. It goes on to say I was sick beginning early December 21, tested negative for COVID twice, but coughing for six to eight weeks. And then the question is, um, I wanted to see if maybe I had COVID, but the test I had in your office also states it can determine antibodies from the vaccine as well. My antibody results are greater than 2,500. Uh, does this mean I have had COVID or can this be from the vaccines? I think you can be pretty sure that you had COVID. Yeah. Um, again, and the, the quick test and even the PCR test just are not that great, to be honest with you. Um, certainly, there's a lot of negative COVID tests, both the rapid tests and the more accurate PCR tests. It takes a couple of days to get back. But, you know, that'd be a great thing for me to talk. I, I've got a particular pathologist that I kind of know that may be able to answer some of these questions. Um, because they're interesting, you know, they really are. I'd love mm. to do a podcast with this particular pathologist I'm thinking about, um, if they'll do it. Mm. Well, it seems that, that it's a, it's a very common question and, and one that, uh, <clears throat> it seems a lot of people are wanting to, to understand uh, a little bit better. Um, <clears throat> let's go to, to, to this. This is an NAD plus question. Um, would love for you to give a major Reader's Digest version of this, and, and I'm really glad because all I know is the Reader's uh, Digest version of even reading these questions. Uh, sounds like it is saying that NAD, and this was a, an article that was sent, um, sounds like it is saying that NAD plus attributes to cancer slash tumor growth, but these words are so complex I don't really understand. Uh, what's, your, what's your thoughts on that in reference to, uh, uh, to the article they sent in? Well, you know, I just barely glanced at that. I didn't have time. I just saw it about five minutes ago. But, you know, NAD plus is a supplement um, that is really uh, related to niacin, vitamin B3, the um, vitamin they discovered in the early part of last century that um, was a cure to uh, pellagra. But um, so it gets kind of complex and that um, the gist of that thing, I believe, was that um, NAD plus, um, which is kind of like a coenzyme, it's a factor that can that helps contribute to um, the production and metabolism and homeostasis of um, every cell in your body It's for energy, basically. And, you know, they, they have a point because um, anything that 
can help your cells or your body or muscles or anything to grow uh, has a potential, uh, say you had an occult tumor somewhere, uh, to make that tumor grow also, i.e. cancer. So um, the question is, um, should you avoid that? I guess that's a question, yeah. um, NAD plus, because you're afraid of it, it uh, causing cancer, um, which is a great question, but it gets kind of complex um, because it involves all kinds of complex um, thoughts like um, uh, sirtuins, and there's sirt2, it's a really good longevity uh, molecule. Um, and there's also, they talked about the Warburg effect, which I think Otto Warburg described that pleiotrophic effect of, um, you know, what causes cancer. Um, but the explanation I, that I kind of have, and I'll, I'll do a deeper dive into this really, um, is that as you age, certain coenzymes decrease, just like melatonin decreases, looks like growth hormone decreases. And NAD plus, NAD plus is one of those that also decreases. That's why one reason you get tireder is you get older and you don't sleep as well because you're not producing as many of these um, molecules in your body that, that help you stay alert and fit and lean and growing muscle. Uh, as you get older, you kind of lose a lot of that. So um, just like growth hormone, I yep. mean, we, when we check IGF-1 levels uh, to assess uh, how much growth hormone you have in your body, it's an indirect measure. You can't measure growth hormone levels in your blood. It's too transient. It just is useless to draw, a to draw a growth hormone level in your blood. So we do one. It's a marker called IGF-1, which naturally decreases as you age. Um, but... And the reason I'm talking about growth hormones, because this is one that's kind of more known and it, it seems because I've thought about it many times, because we know that people um, that have a naturally high IGF-1 level in their body um, without any stimulus or any, any growth hormone supplementation or even um, secreted gogs like uh, some morlin and ipamorlin, tesamorlin that will increase your growth hormone levels. Um, but if you have this IGF-1 level that's naturally high, you know, you're, you're more prone to get cancer um, and maybe even have heart disease. So, you know, when you get, when you find somebody with a, a really low IGF-1 level at say you're 60 years old, then, uh, and they have a lot of symptoms like they can't recover from exercise or you know, they're feeling really old and decrepit and you either give them growth hormone, which is a great hormone. It's just illegal to give in Tennessee um, or, and it's too expensive as well. You give them something like Samorlin or Tessamorlin, Ipamorlin that helps your own body produce more, mm -hmm. you know, are you, are you causing them to increase the risk of cancer? That's never really been proven, at least with growth hormone. And I'm not sure about NAD plus in other ways, but this is just theory. Um, so um, you have to kind of balance 
the risk versus the rewards with anything you do. Um, certainly, I don't think, you know, when I tell somebody to take NAD plus because they, they're really tired, um, you know, I don't worry about it causing cancer. Um, that's going to be really rare. But it's also one reason why I give people breaks from it. You know, I don't just put them on that and not give them a break from it several times a year. Same thing with the peptides, you know, the, the secretagogues that increase your growth hormone more naturally. Um, but uh, so it gets kind of complex. Yeah. But, um, you know, any done in moderation to improve symptoms uh, with breaks, I think it's very safe. Mm. Um you know, this is, this is, uh, it really helps your body use niacin, vitamin B3 better. And, uh, but boy, it is com complex. I'll tell you, when you start taking a deep dive into this stuff, you almost have to be a molecular biologist to, that's all they do is dive into this stuff in theory. You know, what I do as a practicing physician is try to, uh, treat people uh, for symptoms in a safe manner. And I certainly think something like NAD plus is safe. I mean, you know, it's over the counter. Um, you could overdo anything, I guess, but you know, I don't really worry about it causing cancer, but it, it, theoretically it, anything could. It kind of reminds um, me of, you know, you mentioned this, you mentioned a similar um, balancing question with, with, uh, baby aspirin and people who are getting older, um, you know, is the risk of, you know, taking the ba baby aspirin worse than mm -hmm. them falling, you know, and breaking something, um, as they get older, you know, and you right. have to, you have to manage that, uh, you know, the older you get. And the other thing it reminds me of is, uh, there was a, a post you wrote and it's something about how you, uh, you want things to grow when you're younger, but then as you get older, growth can be a bad thing because it can grow like cancers and right, uh, right. things like that. Right. You need repair, yep. you know, uh, because you're not going to grow that much past a certain age. But, you know, a lot of this stuff you could almost, and I get a lot of patients like this because I do functional medicine. I do integrated medicine. I look for causes and things. And so, um, you know what I, and I get patients that really, I get scientists that come in. I get people that have stacks of literature that high that they've gone through. And what a lot of times, and it's kind of frustrating at times to treat patients like that because um, they take too deep a dive in it, really. I mean, I try to use common sense. And for those people that take, that are really, hung up on it and they're scared about it and you know every little detail they want to understand they're not going to understand every detail of it so what i end up telling them is hey you're too worried about this just don't take it you know yeah i, I can see that you're going to worry if you're taking this so just don't take it it's not absolutely essential you know um so uh just don't worry about it don't take it you're scared of it don't take it it, it, it is interesting, like in, you know, in the functional medicine world, um, it does seem like, you know, these, uh, you can really go down a rabbit hole if, if you're not careful and you, and you do have to kind of manage, um, you know, understanding a, a whole lot with, um, you know, not getting too deep because then, you know, you won't do anything, uh, it seems. So yeah, it, it's, it's like paralysis 
by analysis. analysis or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, don't try not to take that, that too deep a dive in it. And, um, you know, uh, and Evangelion has a good point combining AD plus with some, uh, autophagy type fasting, which is a great idea. You know, there's, there's, uh, a lot of things you can do like fasting. I mean, fasting is so good for longevity. It's just a wonderful thing to do. Um, you know, I saw a couple cancer patients today and we were talking about, um, how cancer, certain things you can do that to may reverse cancer, like a fasting diet, maybe some high dose vitamin C, which relates to the Warburg effect. I just mentioned, um, which in effect, cancer loves sugar, Yeah, you know, and it has a lot to do with which type of metabolism it undergoes anaerobic or aerobic, uh, and the production of lactate. So, um, yeah, I love, I love Dr. Uh, David Sinclair's book is a great book about it's called lifespan. It's really good. Um, a, a lot of, a, a lot of his beliefs are around eating less, you know, the, the, the that fasting period, um, is, is super important. And you, you talk a lot about, we're not meant to graze, you know, we're meant to feast or famine. And I think David Sinclair is very, you know, he's kind of, that's a lot of what his message is. Is that right? I know I'm oversimplifying it, but. Oh yeah. There's a lot of stuff he talks about. I mean, rapamycin and, uh, as a matter of fact, I had a couple patients, two patients mentioned to me today, a book I need to order tonight, Tim Robbins, you know, that guy that's kind of a motivational speaker and, He's absolutely a health nut. Um, Is it Tony Robbins he, or Tim? Or, excuse me, Tony Roberts. Uh, okay. Tony Robbins. Tim. Ro yeah, Tim is an actor, but Tony Robbins. You really like him. You've read some of his stuff. I, I love Tony. Yeah. Apparently, apparently he had a, he's got a new book out that has a, a lot to do with some of this stuff, um, but, and specifically stem cells. Apparently he had a, a skiing accident and it, bothered him for years and he had some severe spinal stenosis and uh he did a deep dive and he's got the resources to do it believe me um on stem cells and they virtually cured his back um so i know um a lot of the the big the big hitters are going down and uh experimenting with stem cell technology in other countries because the research here is kind of limited, but that's a book I'm going to read and maybe a book I want to review, you know, on my, on my podcast or something, but real quick, uh, let me, uh, I, I want to ask the, the people with us live. Would you guys want to want to do like some sort of book club type Q and a show where we, um, have a show completely dedicated to questions around, a, like one of these types of books. I know, you know, doc is constantly reading, um, all these health and wellness books. It could be kind of fun to, you know, come in, you know, for 30 minutes and just talk about a book. Um, if you guys have questions, um, regarding, um, you know, we have a, a bunch of recommended reading, so we could pick one of those books. So uh, if you guys would like to do something like that, let me know. Um, it seems, it seems like, you know, maybe that might be of interest. So we could do something like that. Cool. Um, do a little a themed uh, Q and A, and because uh, I know you're constantly reading these books, and um, and a lot of uh, a lot of the people here with us live are, are probably reading the same books, and you know maybe you know maybe you could um, uh, talk about it in a way that is more understandable than than say the book itself. So 
uh, let us know. We'll we'll put something together. Um, he uh, puts a, he puts a lot on me. He really. He really <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm getting a lot of yeses, Doc. I, I'm I'm uh, you know. Yeah, no, I, I'm getting a lot of a lot of questions in my mind about that. <laughs> amount of time, you know, that I have to do things. <laughs> let's let's do this. Uh, Aram asks, "What is uh, autophagy? Autophagy." Autophagy. Phagy. It's kind of like the body's own way of clearing out cellular debris and renewing things. And a lot of it has to do with um, lengthening your telomeres, you know, the, the, the ends of your DNA that uh, determine how long a cell is going to live and how long you're going to live. Uh, so um, that's the best way I know how to describe it is, and it's kind of the new buzzword in, in the integrated medical jargon, but um, it's basically uh, a way to clean out those cells that aren't functioning anymore and get rid of them. Because when the cells quit working very well and it's not efficient, when it hangs around uh, and gets stagnant, it really hampers growth and renewal. So you can almost look, look at a, plant that's withering away you want to pluck it out of the ground so something else new will grow i just thought of that i like that uh, so maybe i'll use that but um so that's the best way i know how to describe it and is, uh, keto uh keto bandito put uh i still can't pronounce this autophagy 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 how do we pronounce it autophagy. some people say autoph autophagy but most people, I was listening to a podcast, they called it autophagy. So, um, and that was some guy from the Ivy League. So maybe it's autophagy. <laughs> I've always called it autophagy, but, you know, it just depends on what part of the country you live in. But anyway, but yeah, it's anti-cancer. There's no doubt about that. Um, uh, thank you for that, uh, Iram. That's a, it's a really, it's a really great question. Uh, a lot of people are, uh, are, are, are thinking uh, of what that is. So thank you for, for putting that in there. Um, let's see here. Let's get to some of the, the comments here. We're going to uh, jump into the uh, comments. Oh, I got one more. Um, this was from, from last week. I'm mixing this. Miss this. this was Mark's question. Um, what brand of injectable GHK CU peptide do you recommend? Um, you might not, uh, you might need to do some research. What's your, what's your immediate thoughts there? Yeah. Um, let me get back with you on that, Mark. There's there's a couple of companies that make those. I'm trying to find the best one, and I don't have an answer for that yet. But we'll have that for next week. Okay. All but, right. Thank uh, you. Uh, thank you for that. We'll make sure to get that. So we're gonna um, we're gonna take live questions here, guys. So if you have a question for Doc, we've got about uh, 20 minutes or so where we're gonna hang out and um, and answer some some questions. Uh, let's see here. Um, First one I'm seeing is a is a ROMS from um, uh, talking about milk, milk thistle. Um, uh, hi Ben, Dr. Ross, can we talk about milk thistle? Uh, what's your mm -hmm. thoughts on that? Uh, and thank you for the birthday wishes. Yeah, um, of course, milk thistle is just an herb that that really kind of helps detoxify your liver. It's just very healthy for the liver. Um, so if you go out on a night of drinking or something or you know, you have, you want to detox your liver because you've been on a bunch of medications or, you know, like alcohol is a toxin to the liver. Being obese is a toxin to the liver. So it's a great little supplement for liver health. 
um, the liver, you know, detoxifies most everything in your body, then your kidneys. So just almost everybody should have that in their, one of their supplements for sure. Especially as I get a little age on them, but I don't, and life extension just makes a good milk thistle. You can, um, you know, you can, I think we have that anti-alcohol life extension supplement that has selenium, zinc, milk thistle, uh, knack in it, a good high dose, 1200 milligrams of knack. And, uh, some of my kids say that, uh, um, they take that after, you know, between drinks and they, they feel better when they drink. <laughs> Kelly, yeah, that's not me. Uh, that was not no, me. No, it's not Ben. I think it may be <laughs> my daughter. But uh, uh, Let's get to uh, Elena's question here from uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, what number speaking is... Speaking of Elena, I, I did call your daughter in something today. Uh, but what number is considered a good antibody amount for COVID, I guess you're talking yep. about. Um, gosh, I think any number that's positive means you've, you've got some immunity and, and the, the closer you are to having had COVID, the higher it's going to be. But certainly if you have over a thousand, that's really good. I checked mine a few weeks ago, uh, a month after I had COVID and it was greater than 2,500, which is their, that's as high as it gets for at least that lab quest lab that we see. But, um, you know, I think we're going to have a lot more uh, laboratory tests to kind of assess things uh, in the future because of what we've gone through. And maybe we can get an idea about whether or not uh, that T cell immunity is, is still going to be effective. Um, apparently, the T memory cells hide out in your bone marrow. And when you're exposed to another type of COVID, it comes out uh, and fights it. So... Um, man, you know, the things mutate so, so much that there's no guarantee that, uh, it's not going to, you know, it will be a hundred percent effective against it. But, um, I think, uh, you'll have some effectiveness against it. Certainly. Um, oh. good question. So hopefully 2,500, if you get 2,500, it's really good. If you showing up, I saw one today that was four, you know, they were disappointed by look, look, you've got some, you know, you've got some antibodies to it. So, um, and apparently the worse you have COVID, uh, the better your antibodies or your immune response is, the higher that number is from what I've seen. But it also seems that if you, if you didn't have a bad case of COVID, um, you most likely don't need to need to worry that much about having lots of antibodies because you know, you're not going to get that sick from it to begin with. Is that, is that the wrong way of thinking? No, well, that's a good point. Um, um, so Johnny no asked, uh, what are your thoughts on taking the seasonal flu shot? I don't take it personally anymore. I used to um, just because, you know, that's what the mainstream medicine tells everybody to do. But in, in seeing many patients over the years, a lot of them told me that, hey, every time I get the flu shot, I get the flu. And I would tell them my natural response that I was taught to tell them in medical school, that's just a bunch of crap. That was totally coincidental, you know, but you get this over and over and over again, you start kind of listening to your patients. And um, so I'm not against the flu vaccine at all. I mean, if you live in a nursing home, if you're around a lot of flu every year, you have debilitating conditions, 
then you might want to, you know, take the flu shot. The, the problem with the flu shot um, and even a worse problem with this COVID vaccine is they don't get it right a lot of times. I mean, there's about a 30, maybe 40% chance that it'll work. And, you know, um, when you take a flu shot, sometimes you get sick with it. And, uh, you know, it just kind of overactivates thing, things. And certainly um, there are some people that have died with the flu shot because of the flu shot. And some people, I know one that uh, had a flu shot in, uh, over 10 years ago and is totally disabled in a wheelchair, can't move, speak, nothing. Very rare, but it can happen. I know him. Um, probable cause of it. Um, and certainly with the COVID shots, I mean, gosh, we've seen numerous deaths with the COVID shot. I mean, you can go to VAERS and look at that. Um, so um, there's definitely a lot of reactions to the COVID shot. No doubt I've seen hundreds of them. Um, so it's your choice. You know, if, you, if you're at risk and you're really old and the flu is going to kill you, um, and think about taking the flu shot, but bear in mind, there are treatments for the flu as well. Um, so early treatment, early recognition, and I certainly believe in vitamins for prevention and treatment. Um, um, that's actually a great segue to, to a question that, um, that I, I really like this Carrie. So thank you for, for putting this in the comments. Um, I keep adding supplements and vitamins and I worry I take too much. Is there a guide to which vitamins to be careful taking too much? So I think, you know, cause we do, we, we talk about vitamins all the time. And, and if you were to like calculate, you know, all of them, it'd be, it'd be a whole lot. Um, so I think what, what, what Carrie's saying here is, you know, how do you manage that? How do you, um, you, you want to take as many vitamins as you can and, and, you know, cause obviously, you know, we need them. Um, but how would you go about, uh, I know, I know for one, you talk a lot about adding one at a time. So add one vitamin at a time. Any right. other, like, what are your kind of essentials that you would start with? And then how would you add? Well, that's, that's just a great question. But, it is. Um, but I, I've never heard of anybody dying of a vitamin overdose. Yeah. Um, unless it's a little kid that they gave huge doses of vitamin D and they got pretty sick with it. I mean, just, you know, million times more. So you could, I guess you could take too much of anything. It may make you sick, but usually... With a vitamin, it's going to make you so sick at your stomach, you're not going to keep taking it. Um, but, it, you know, it'd be really hard to, to take too much of vitamins. The only thing, the only problem with that that I see is it can hit your pocketbook pretty hard. Yeah. You know, um, that's the downside of taking a lot of supplements is that they can get expensive. I mean, you know, certainly don't want to take cheap vitamins. Um, so, and you know, the, again, the most important vitamin you'll ever take is guess what? Vitamin D. So check your levels and see where you're at based on how much you're taking. I'd like to see a vitamin D level 60 to 80, um, preferably, um, you know, and of course you just have to rate them. I mean, vitamin D certainly, uh, then the omega threes. Um, and again, you may see reports recently about omega threes, um, you know, not providing the brain protection they claim. But what I find out about them, you have to take a pretty good dose of them. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and then probably vitamin C, um, a good multi, magnesium at night, a good probiotic. 
Um, and then just depending on, um, you know, your particular needs. Uh, a lot of people come to me uh, and assessments. I mean, I check a lot of vitamin levels to see where you're at. But, um, you know, if you're really tired, there's certainly, you know, the B vitamins, CoQ10, PQQ. Um, if you're, I had somebody ask me today about one of their relatives that they were seeing some cognitive decline. They need a workup for it, but, you know, Cognitex is certainly a good one for that. Uh, for memory, um, but nothing replaces a great diet, what you eat. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can get into taking a lot of vitamins. I certainly uh, take a lot of vitamins myself because I research them a lot and I've got them available. Um, but a great question. Um, well, one thing, Carrie, uh, um, if you can't... You could take too much magnesium, it could give you diarrhea. Mm. You know, well, same uh, with the probiotic. You got you got to kind of find the right mm -hmm. dose with the probiotic as well. Yeah, I'm trying to think of others that you could possibly get too much of, but usually. Well, you talk a lot you know, about too much zinc. Yeah, that you could deplete your copper if you take uh, <coughs> over a hundred milligrams of zinc. Yeah. Um. Uh. Just a lot of things, I guess you have to be worried about, but usually. Um, if you look on the uh, the bottle and you go by the directions, they're not you're not going to overdose on that vitamin. Um, very conservative. I mean, for example, <clears throat> when you take vitamin C, um, you're taking like a gram, a thousand milligrams, once or twice a day, is in general. Um, when you take an oral vitamin C, only twenty percent of it gets to your cells. Um, for a lot of people, of course, we do IV vitamin C. When you do an intravenous injection of vitamin C or an infusion of vitamin C, 100% um, of it gets into your cells. And sometimes we're giving up to 100,000 milligrams of vitamin C. We got to do that over four hours. But, you know, we typically give pretty high doses of it uh, without any side effects, but good side effects. Now, if you do it too fast, you could get diarrhea with it but um you have to know what you're doing with that acid base balance etc but um he, he asked um so uh, carrie followed up with uh, i know some are fat soluble versus water soluble yeah, um right how, how much attention do you pay to pay to that uh, out of curiosity yeah i mean you pay attention to it a d e and k are fat soluble can you the say that one more time most, i'm sorry a d e and k are fat soluble okay and certainly take them with a fatty meal. They're absorbed better. And they're likely to stick around longer. Um, the water-soluble ones, of course, maybe like the B vitamins, you know, it'd be really hard to, you know, you get rid of them pretty quickly. So, yeah, that's exactly right. I don't worry too much about it. You're going to have a hard time overdosing on these vitamins. Um, Allison asked, can you take too much turmeric? Um you could i mean it, you could it could upset your stomach for sure um but it's a natural indian spice but most of the time people don't take enough turmeric or curcumin which is the encapsulated uh, form of uh turmeric but um, sometimes even the orthopedic docs use really high doses for inflammation of turmeric um but let, let your stomach be kind of a guide too. If something's making you sick or you don't feel good, you need to back down or stop it and then try a lower dose. Everybody's metabolism is different. 
One thing I would uh, highly recommend is is people go check out the podcast episode uh, we did with Jeff Thomas. Um, I think it's called the the Ultimate Guide to Vitamins or something. And uh, you know, Jeff is somebody we've known for a long time, and and uh, he just does a great job of of laying out how to add vitamins uh, one at a time and where he would start. Um, so that'd be a good one to check out. Um, you it's it, you can find that on the YouTube channel. Um, you know, if you search performance medicine and vitamins, it should come up. Um, okay, let's get to a few more questions here before we have to uh, call it a night. Let's see here. Um, uh, where's a question? Tony Doc, a lot of people want this book club. They do. <laughs> well, I almost suggest you do the book club. <laughs> they, they Maybe Annie can do it. Maybe Annie can do it. They don't want my interpretations. Uh, okay, let's see here. Um, that's an interesting uh, comment here about the swine flu. I had the swine flu years ago and was the sickest I've ever been. Some research suggests that having that may help with against COVID, which I believe it did when I got Omicron, breezed through it. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for that, Triple uh, A. That's an interesting interesting uh, insight there. Um, yeah, that swine flu, flu vaccine didn't work out too good, did it? No, that was a baddie. They pulled that pretty pretty quickly. Um, let's see here. Um, Rowell asks, is there a way to check if our vitamins are passing through us? You know, a lot of people ask me about ghost pills or what we call ghost vitamins. It just means you're seeing the vitamin in your stool. A lot of times it's empty. Um, you know, it's actually been digested, but, um, the only way really is to check your levels, uh, your blood levels. Uh, that's the way I would think you would check it. Um, to see what kind of levels you're absorbing, but, um, you're right though. They, they can, this depends on your gut. I mean, if your gut's not working right, things can, if you have malabsorption, you're not absorbing your food or your vitamins and they're just not going to show up in your blood. Uh, and that's, yeah, the, so. and that's kind of the purpose behind a good, a good probiotic is because of the, that if you have, uh, probiotic balancing your gut microbiome and making sure that um you know things don't pass through too quickly um, uh, oh, there we go hey mark uh i'm missing jenny when will she do another podcast and uh well thank you for the birthday wishes mark and you know we've we're we're, we're in the in the middle of um uh ideating uh how to bring uh jenny back uh we got to get her back uh, on the show, we'll do a a, a live segment we'll with her one. at some well, point. Well, Jenny had COVID and all her hair fa- fell out, so <laughs> she's completely bald right now. And uh, maybe she grows her hair back. I told her not to take that vaccine. But uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding you. But uh, but anyway, no, she's doing great. Her hair didn't fall out. She had a very mild case of COVID. Um, uh, we will, we well, will definitely have a nagging cop, but she did write a good book, a new, a good yep. new meditation book called mama bear. Yep. And that's a good book of meditations that you might want to look up. I don't know. I guess you can get it on Amazon. She's going to, uh, she's going to start a blog here soon. And, and, uh, we need to get her on the show to talk about that. I think, yeah, we do. um, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful devotional. Um, and, uh, really everybody should read it. Uh, okay, Sherry asks, what about mushroom supplements? Which type and brand do you recommend? Um, man, uh, I'll tell you what, I go down the 
to Max Medicine Mart and get my mushroom supplements. I don't really have any in my office, um, but I take Lion's Mane, Chaga, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, and gosh, Rishi. I'm bad at pronouncing names of mushrooms, but uh, those are the ones I like to take. Um, and the brand, I can't quite remember, um, but I really let them kind of guide me on that. They know so much more about the mushroom supplements than I do. And, you know, it'd be a great idea. Have I put out a podcast on mushrooms no, yet? No, no. I mean, I'm going to put that on my list because that makes me really research it. And, uh, you know, people out there probably have a pretty good idea about what brands they like. But I'd have to go look at it and, you know, um, take too much time right now. But uh, we'll do one on mushrooms because uh, they're very beneficial. Okay. So many, so many, so many positive things about mushrooms. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, let's, so if let's, anybody has a great idea, put it in there. Yeah, if you, if you guys are you know uh, taking any sort of uh, mushroom supplement, please put that in there for for Sherry. And if it's on YouTube, I'll make sure to we'll share it to the to the Facebook page as well. Uh, let's get a few few in here, uh, guys, before we head out. Uh, what are the best supplements for palpitations? I've had a workup by a cardiologist. I'm not a good candidate for beta blocker due to low blood pressure and heart rate. Um, well, there's not a lot of natural beta blocker type medications that I'm really, that I use a lot. Um, you know, there's, there are medicines for tachycardia, like Evabradine is my favorite. I'm using that a lot for this post-COVID pot syndrome that I'm seeing. I used it today because it doesn't have hardly any, I haven't seen any side effects from it. It just slows your heart rate down, won't affect your blood pressure. But, you know, that's that's for heart rates that get up pretty high. Um, it's called Evabradine with an I. But one thing, of course, is to um, avoid caffeine and, you know, medicines that are in uh, like phenylephrine, uh, avoid supplements that could potentially um, cause a little palpitations. Um, you know, learning how to relax. Uh, I talked to a new patient today about palpitations, and she had mega workup from cardiologist and everything done, tilt table, halters, stress test. And was put on uh, propranolol, uh, which is a beta blocker, and just a very, very low dose. Sometimes um, just having 10 milligrams of it, which really is not going to lower your blood pressure too much, uh, in your pocketbook, you know, just to have in case you get too freaked out about it. But, you know, most of the time palpitations are innocuous or not dangerous. Um, but there certainly can be worse. And most of the people that, that I see that complain of palpitations, um, they happen at night when they're quite alone and thinking about it. Mm. That's when they suffer the most from palpitations. And some of them are positional. You turn over on one side, you may have more than another. But um, I'd say the best supplements are just to stay off the supplements that can hype you up. Um, uh, uh, I've seen even some of the B vitamins hype people up a little bit. Biofeedback, yeah. Uh, you know, activating, great, Sandra, great point. Activating that uh, parasympathetic nervous system 
I know Ernie has uh, some electrode devices that help with that you put on your ear. Um, but, uh, one other thing I, I highly suggest that when I, when I really focused on, um, nose breathing, um, that, that really helps, you know, slow my heart rate down. Um, uh, because, you know, I think the, the, the tendency is to, to, to think you need to breathe more. And the, uh, the truth is, you know, um, you actually need to take, uh, you know, breathe less in, in a weird way. Uh, Tolerance to the uh, CO2. Yeah. Learn how to live with a a CO2 buildup. But, you know, you might even take L-theanine, ashwagandha, rhodiola, some of the adrenal adaptogens, and certainly check your cortisol levels, do a cortisol, salivary cortisol curve. Um, But those are some things that might help you a little bit. Uh, Pycnogenol, um, should it be taken in the morning or night? This is a question from from Sandra. I just wanted to make sure we got this in. uh, she asked about, uh, pycnogenol should it be taken the AM or PM, uh, any adverse reactions? You know, I don't think it matters when you take it AM or PM. Somebody asked me that today. Okay. Um, but that's certainly just a great supplement for longevity, heart health, preventing diabetes or diabetics. Um, uh, it tends to give you a little bit of energy. I take mine in, at lunch, you know, take many of my vitamins in the morning because I'm fasting, but I do take my B vitamins and C in the morning. Um, but, uh, I haven't seen any adverse reactions or interactions with pycnogenol. Uh, certainly they're not, not going to interfere with any cardiac or diabetic drugs that I know about. Um, so I don't think there are any really black box warnings on that. Uh, thank you, thank you, Renette, for putting in uh, a couple suggestions there with with uh, mushroom supplements. Um, let's. Let, I, I want to get this one in because um, we have a few people asking about uh, your probiotic. Um, so uh, let's see here. So, um, Alan, Lisa, let us know. Um, just order some Digest Shield. Uh, we are, you know, we we love Digest Shield, and we're uh, putting people on right. every single day. So let us know how, you, how what you think. Um, uh, let us know what you think about it. We love Good. it. Um, Great gut product. Do you take any other probiotic outside of Digest Shield? No. Okay. That's the only one I take. Uh, um, it covers it for me. Um, if it's not working, you could rotate you know, something else in just to see. But um, I used to take Theralac, um, but I, I find this to be so much better for me. Um, I'm trying to think. I do like to eat fermented products, which are natural um, probiotics, too. I think you can add like sauerkraut, uh, kombucha, things like that. Um, um, all right. So that's going to that's gonna do it for tonight's show. We're going to have to call it a night. I, Lisa, I, I see your comment there. What we'll do, if, if you can um, direct message us, uh, we'll give you some, some advice uh, uh, through through the direct messages. So make sure, uh, send us a, a message there. Lisa, I, I see the, the comment with, with COVID there. Um, hey, Ben, uh, nope. I do, another thing I'll mention, I do have this drink. It's not uh, a probiotic, but it is a fermented product. So <laughs> I do, I'm, I'm enjoying that tonight, so. <laughs> it, looks like, it looks like Sandra's a, a, a pathologist. Thank you so much for hanging out. Um, Maybe maybe this is the pathologist you're you're thinking about. We need to get her on the. Uh, well, on I the, need to get Sandra. I need to get you on a podcast. We ben, need to, can you arrange that? 
uh, Sandra, will you shoot uh, us a message on Facebook? We'll uh, we'll get you on a pod, and and um, uh, you and Doc can can talk about some of this uh, pathology. Um, if you're a pathologist, you're a lot smarter than me, and I need to ask. <laughs> Sing them all. I like that, Sandra. Good. How did you know? Uh, Lisa, Lisa, direct message uh, our Facebook uh, page, please, uh, and I'll, I'll we'll we'll uh, we'll send you some. Uh, some advice there, and that might be the best way to do it. Um, uh, just direct message the Performance Medicine Facebook page. I'll see that tonight. Um, Aramis, will sauerkraut just raise your blood pressure? Um, <laughs> I'm seeing all these comments. What, what, what's your thoughts on this? I don't know if it can or not. You know, uh, so I'll check and see. I, I've never noticed that. You know, hmm. I don't know. Ron, that's that's to be determined. Um, Evangelon says I'm writing a book uh, called Heartbreak Salami. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. I might have to do this. I might have to make that happen. Wow. (laughs) No kidding. I'd like to see that. Um, All right, guys, we are going to we're going to call it a night. We really appreciate you. Uh, Thank you for hanging out on the live show. Doc, thanks for the time tonight. Thanks, Ben. Happy birthday. <laughs> thank you. And guys, thank you so much for the, um, for the birthday wishes. That, mean, that means a lot to me. Uh, great to see all, the, all the, the, the people we see here every week. Great to see all the, the new people. Uh, we love you all. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, Tuesday, 7 o'clock, the best medical Q&A show. Tuesday, 7, YouTube and Facebook. Uh, we'll see you guys then. See you all later. And there's the, the Common Sense MD. Uh, State of the Union address. Check that out if you haven't. Um, we'll you didn't see. know I appeared before Congress at the State of the Union. <laughs> Actually, it looks like I did. I didn't really. It looked pretty cool. <laughs> Get out of here, man. We got a lot of good feedback on that uh, State of the Union on COVID. So definitely let me know, positive or negative. Let me know what you think about that. <laughs> uh, tend to be pretty uh, transparent on that one today. So. It, it, that's a very transparent uh, common sense. So, uh, and I think the podcast was actually probably better than the note. Yep. You yep. know, so yeah, check out the podcast, guys. Uh, it's on it's on the YouTube channel. Love you guys. We'll see y'all next week, Tuesday, oh, seven o'clock. See ya. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, We will see you guys next time.